TikTok has actually replaced Google as the number one search engine for Gen Z Americans today. There is a national security risk with TikTok. That's why it's banned from usage on federal phones. Rand Paul said, you want to lose in a landslide, Republicans declaring war on TikTok is one of the fastest ways to do it. If you watch all of these hearings from inside of Congress about TikTok, they are unable to present a single documented example of the CCP ever accessing your data through this app, not once. All right, folks, it is Thursday. We're on a glide path to the weekend. And guess what? We've got a great panel here for you on the Sean Spicer Show. As always, Isabel Brown, she's all over social media. Check her out. Uh, she's an independent content creator. Uh, great stuff on all of her channels. Go to all those platforms and check her out. Chris Gall is a radio host, the host of the Chris Gall Show in both Philadelphia and in Missouri. He's doing it all over the place. And then Kelly Sadler, she is the commentary editor at the Washington Times and was a former special assistant to President Trump in his first term. Let's get into everything with the panel, including those court cases that President Trump is involved with. All right, gang, good to see you all. Uh, it's interesting. I wasn't sure where to start today, but then Donald Trump helped us make that decision uh, <laughs> by his appearance there in the courtroom. Interestingly enough, uh, two dueling court battles going off. And, and it's funny, we have gone from a time when I started at the RNC, I remember I'd pitch reporters about stories like broadcast reporters. And they say, we really don't do a ton of, of politics in the morning. And there was always this head. And now I'm turning on and like literally cable stations are, are doing the courtrooms in New York and, and Georgia at the same time. We've, we've definitely changed our world where that's the, that's the deal. So in, in, Georgia, it's this case to get rid of Fanny, Fanny or whatever. I can't even, I don't know what day it is. It's like Kamala or Kamala, Fanny or Fanny, uh, to try to get her kicked off the case down there because of her relationship with this other prosecutor that she shoveled a ton of cash to. Or in New York, Alvin Bragg. Now, here's the news today. Alvin Bragg's case against Trump for these payments to Stormy Daniels, which were a misdemeanor bookkeeping offense, suddenly are now a big deal, even though the statute of limitations has passed. But Isabel, the thing that's so interesting to me is where the news came today is that that trial is going to move forward on March 25th. In one way, it's the weakest of the cases. I don't think anyone's going to care about a misdemeanor bookkeeping charge, but it still gets that case going and puts Trump in a courtroom. Yeah. You know, the truth, Sean, is that it doesn't matter what the charges are today in our two-tiered justice system. It's about the optics of your innocence or guilt in the court of public opinion, not inside of a court of law. And nothing could have demonstrated that more clearly to the American people over this last week and a half or so, other than the Department of Justice saying our president currently sitting in the Oval Office is known to have willfully committed actual federal crimes in mishandling of classified documents. But he's just a sweet old man who's on his way to senile territory and just can't remember anything. So a jury would never be able to convict him. Juries are supposed to judge you on the presumption of your innocence under law. But really, since the Derek Chauvin and George Floyd case, I think what we're seeing juries do in these high profile cases is start to worry about their own safety, the backlash that they might get, what cancel culture might mean for their own families and their own lives and jobs, livelihoods. And therefore, they're ruling them guilty in the court of public opinion before they even step into a courtroom. So even though these are misdemeanor bookkeeping charges for Donald Trump, it's important for the justice system to continue putting these cases out there, continue having the headlines come to fruition and keep that story going in the media and in culture. Hey, folks, 
I've thought about contingency planning for years. I was a graduate of the Naval War College. One of the things that we talked about all the time was what happens when things go wrong. Maybe that's a natural disaster, but what happens when the power goes out in your house for an hour, maybe a day, maybe weeks or months? Will you be ready? Could you power all of the things that you and your family needs, medical devices, electronics, tablets, computers, or even your refrigerator to make sure that you have a food supply? Well, guess what? With the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, you wouldn't have to worry about any of that. And it comes with a free solar panel because that's what powers it. You don't need to worry about gas or filling it up or running and hoping that that's all there. Nope, the Patriot Power Generator works just off the solar panels that come with it. If you go to fourpatriots.com slash Spicer, you can check out this great, great deal that they have. Fourpatriots.com slash Spicer. You get the Patriot Power Generator, which powers all of those things, a refrigerator, medical devices, all the things that you would need in time of an emergency come with it. And the best part is it's portable. It can run in your house. You can put it in your car. Those are the kind of things that get you ahead of the things that you never want to deal with. Go right now to fourpatriots.com slash Spicer and check out the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. This will be your savior in a time of an emergency. Yeah, Kelly, the thing that's interesting about what Isabel says is you've got one side where they're justifying. We Here's why, despite Biden possessing classified information, telling his biographer, hey, there's the classified information, right? He knows that he has it. He's telling a uncleared individual where to go find something that's not being properly stored. A crime, a crime, a crime, a crime. But because he's such a likable old dude, like grandpa, we're not going to go after him. But in Trump's case, Alvin Bragg is literally taking a case that would never be prosecuted uh, under any other circumstances, a bookkeeping charge, hyping it up to you know add five, five different mm-hmm. puzzle pieces to make it a felony, even though it's past the statute of limitations. I mean, Isabel's right. We literally are watching two separate systems of justice operate. Yeah, and that's going to be central to Trump's campaign, right? It's going to be a courtroom campaign. We saw him today address the cameras, saying that there's a two-tiered justice system um, and that I'm fighting on behalf of you, uh, on on behalf of Americans who can clearly tell this, like uh, on behalf of pro-life clinics and and people who are getting, you know, this DOJ is going after pro-lifers. They're going after parents in the, you know, who want to have a say in the classroom. Um, They're going after anyone that was in the vicinity of the Capitol on January 6th. Um, and so we're seeing we're seeing how uneven this justice system is. And part of Donald Trump's allure is the fact that he wants to get reelected to go in and clean the swamp um, and to drain the swamp. And, and so unfortunately, this campaign season is going to be like unlike any we've ever seen before. We're going to have Joe Biden, A, hiding in the basement because he's mentally unfit to hold the job. And we're going to see Donald Trump do campaign rallies as well as, you know, as well as pit stops in the courtroom throughout, you know, up until November. Yeah, Chris, the thing that's so interesting is someone pointed out on Twitter, let me pull this up, Bragg downgraded over half of felonies to misdemeanors in his jurisdiction, yet had to elevate a misdemeanor past the statute of limitations to a felony charge to get Donald Trump. He's literally going around telling people who commit crimes in New York, don't worry, we'll downgrade you. Yet he's going back in history to Donald Trump and saying, we're going to take this charge that is past the statute of limitations, upgrade it to a felony. So while everyone else is doing crazy stuff in New York, punching cops, illegally you know, possessing things, doing things, we're going to let all of you off, but we're going to go find this bookkeeping charge and go after you, Mr. Trump. 
And Sean, I actually think that's why you'll hear him say on occasion, as you've heard him lately say, he thinks he might be able to pull off a win in New York. I think he kind of believes that. And I don't actually doubt him because I think people in New York, particularly New York City, where Alvin Bragg resides, I think they see this for what it is, for all the reasons you just laid out, the madness, the chaos, the anarchy, the crime. Uh, not to mention now being awash in illegal aliens like so many other major metropolitan cities. It's Mad Max in the Thunderdome. And they think you're going after a guy who, by the way, for those of us who pay attention to this, and I know not everybody does. This is, as Isabel said, for the court of public opinion. And a lot of people are low information voters and they don't know the difference. But here's what those of us who pay attention know. This has already been adjudicated by the FEC. This mm -hmm. has already been Right. investigated. It's not a thing. It's it, it wasn't a thing that the government has already investigated and said the thing that Alvin Bragg is charging is not a thing. Just like the Supreme Court said, you, you can't throw a guy off the ballot for insurrection when he's not been charged with insurrection. I feel crazy, Sean, that we're even in this place. These aren't real things to people that are paying attention. True. But Isabel, here's the thing. Chris is making this case, and I agree that I keep seeing things happen, and I'll bump into people on the street who will say it's crazy, and it's gotten crazier, and I keep thinking maybe I'm just talking to an echo chamber, because mm -hmm. I look at that vote in New York, Tom Swazi beating uh, Maisie Phillip the other night, by almost 10 points, 10 points, mm -hmm. and border security is an issue up there, crime is an issue up there, right? They're all seeing it, and yet by about 50,000 people, a seat that, that I would argue is fairly, I mean, that is a that, that is the definition of a swing seat right there. So it's gone both ways. Biden carried it, but yet in the 2022 election, Republicans did it. Lee Zeldin was able to do well. So the, that was your ultimate swing district. And, and Swazi, he had a lot of advantages. I will, I mean, I'm not trying to sweep those aside, but with all that's happening, why is our message not resonating? Why are not people who are opening their eyes every day and watching the crime, watching all this lawlessness, then watching the illegal immigrations come in, then watching the two-tier system of justice, they're saying, oh yeah, 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 still want to vote for that guy. Wow, that's the million dollar question. And I wish we had a perfect poignant answer for that. But sadly, that's not even the only example of these what we would assume to be swing races or swing states even really coming down to unexpected results for people that are expecting overwhelming red waves. You know, this makes me think of the 2022 midterm elections and how every single talking head on television and in radio and podcasts were all predicting a red tsunami bigger than a red wave that we were going out of our way to take back our country because people are going to vote with their pocketbooks. Yes. And I write about this quite extensively in my new book that's coming out tailored towards Gen Z uh, next month. But I saw an exact opposite anticipation of what was going to happen for November 2022, because while the right was so focused a few years ago in getting people to vote with their pocketbooks, understanding inflation and gas prices and the hard difficulty to retain employment, uh, or even hire new people for your own small business because the economy was just hurting so badly under Biden economics or Bidenomics, as we call it. The left was so effectively convincing, particularly young Americans who are now the largest voter block in American history, that their life was on the ballot, that people were going to literally die if you didn't vote for a Democrat because of school safety, because of women's rights and abortion, because of any other reason under the sun. And so you're seeing this competing messaging where I think the right for so long has been operating on the same playbook of if we get people to pay attention to taxes and if we get people to care about the economy and if we get people to understand the justice system, that's how we're going to rally people to vote. 
but really the messaging so effectively coming across largely on social media outside of the legacy media from the left is a lot more culturally relevant and emotionally tied to the everyday lives of the American people. You know, we don't every day think about tax season. We try not to think about it every single day, actually. We don't every day think about the GDP and the intricacies of of the American economy. But kids do think about, uh, am I going to be safe at school today? Because every single influencer that I follow is telling me that I'm not. Is there going to be a mass shooting at my favorite parade for my Super Bowl winning team. Maybe I would hate for that to happen, but it's happened before. And so this message is constantly resonating through these people's heads and they're not being told concrete, better solutions from a conservative and traditional point of view that would actually solve these problems. They're just being told these problems exist. So you have to vote for a Democrat to fix them because Republicans don't care about them. The economy is nuts. You see the ups and downs of the stock market. One of the things that I did was I made precious metals part of my investment strategy. I called the folks at Bishop Gold, right? So you can call them 844-984-1616, or you can go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean and have a conversation with them about maybe an IRA or a 401k or just adding this to your investment strategy. I did this. When I talk to you about products that I use, and I know you get hit up by gold groups all the time, I trust the people at Bishop Gold Group. I sat down, I called them, and had a conversation about what I could do, what made sense for me. And they can either ship it to you, they can hold it for you, they can talk to you about how you can liquidate it at some point if you need to get rid of it. But they will have a conversation about what's best for you and your particular investment strategy. So go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean, and you'll have a special promotion there to begin your journey with precious metals. Trust me, I love these folks. They're great. Bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean to begin your investment strategy with precious metals. You know, Kelly, it's interesting that Isabel brings that up, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I think she's right. We Conservatives tend to message with their brain, liberals message with their heart. And I, I said this to Beth Van Dyne yesterday on the show. I was asking her about what's going on in the border because for the first time, the border encapsulates everything that we've... And, and I don't mean to put it this way because it's not a win. Beth correctly, correctly corrected me yesterday and said, it's not a win when we're our country, we're losing our country. And she's right about that. Mm-hmm. But it's politically a winner of an issue when you can take one issue and you can talk about trafficking of, of women and children. You can talk about fentanyl coming over. You can talk about national security. You can talk about uh, the threats that exist. We have video now of that guy punching a cop in New York last week. We can see, tangibly see the threats that are happening because of an open and porous border. And I asked her, I said, okay, is there a strategy? Like, are you guys writing up a plan and saying, okay, everyone, this is a winning issue. Here's the polling, here's the strategy, here's the talking point. And she was like, everybody gets it. And I get it, yes, they all get it. But this gets back to what Isabel was saying. I feel like this is, you know, Lucy with the, uh, with the football. Mm-hmm. And we're just gonna get it pulled from underneath again because we think everybody gets it and we don't have a plan going into an election? Well, I mean, I think this is a different election than, special elections are always weird, first and yes. foremost. And 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 the Democrat who was running was running more of a centrist. He actually was t- speaking tough about immigration and kind of closing our border. Much more uh, tough talk than what's coming out of the Joe Biden administration. That's more progressive. Um, also, there was a snowstorm uh, yesterday in New York. I, which- I, 
I, I and, get it. And the mail and the mail-in vote was very, very heavily dominated by Democrats. So, so Republicans need to get out and vote early. We gotta get comfortable with the mail with mail-in voting, um, and and start playing by the Democrats' playbooks. And do we have to emotionally charge issues? Perhaps we do. I I feel like the Democratic playbook is a lot of emotional blackmail, right? Uh, like just just if you if you don't have the right to choose, then you know all of the women's rights are, are down the drain, right? Um, the the right also has to get better at confronting tough issues like abortion. Uh, a lot of our candidates have run away from that issue. Uh, I think we need to confront it head on because it is a salient one for Democrats. And in 2022, I think Republicans underestimated that yeah. issue. Um, they did not consider it. They did not message around it. And so we we, we got a sound defeat. And every, anytime there's a special election or anytime that, that abortion's on the ballot um, for the states, we see a really high turnout among the youth and among women, um, which which falls in the favor of the Democrats. I On the life issue, we should point out how radical the Democrats are. This mm -hmm. White House will not say when they feel abortion should be ended. They, they believe that abortion should be available up until the day of birth. Right. Um, and, so, and so that is something that, that, you know, and we also have to speak more highly of pregnancy centers and helping out women who are put in uncomfortable situations, feeling like they might not be ec economically uh, advantaged to have a baby. Um, they're scared. We need to reach out, um, you know, at that moment of time to help and give them support. We got a message better around this issue. But, you know, in terms of the border, that's what you were originally going to. <laughs> I, I mean, de look, Democrats basically assailed Donald Trump. Right. It was kids in cages at the border. There was tears. There was, you know, AOC going down and crying and and they emotionally charged that issue and they made it a winning issue for them at that time. But now we're seeing that, A, the mainstream media isn't covering it. You're talking about it. Uh, right wing cable news is talking about it, but the mainstream media is not talking about it. But you have the fentanyl deaths. You have the sex trafficking that's coming across the border. You've got, you know, the, the inhumanity of, of, of busing these migrants into cities uh, without having a place to stay. So um, and you can talk about it fiscally as well. How do, how do we as a nation support, you know, eight million illegal immigrants with health care, with education? Yes. Um, so 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 this is an issue we can win on um, because we have the right strategy. And Donald Trump is going to be on the ballot in 2024. And, you know, we didn't have the surge in migrants under his administration. There is no legislative fix for this. There's a lot of executive authority that can be issued. And, and I think on day one, he can come in and fix it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the presidential, I mean, say, thankfully, Trump will lead that charge because the congressional, the House Republicans yeah. don't seem to have a cohesive plan <laughs> and a strategy to articulate all of those things that you mentioned. And that's the problem. They just, there's a, I hope everybody gets it. And I take everything that you said about the special election. I said this yesterday, I'll say it again. Special elections are special, but there's always lessons to be learned, whether you win or lose. Mm -hmm. And I think when we got a thumping, it wasn't close and Republicans thought they were going to win. They got spanked by 50,000 votes. That's not even a close race. Chris, I, I do want to turn Oh, but can I, I got I'm sorry. No, I no, go, go, go. Jump in. This Kelly, is this Kelly just Harrison buttered this right through the uprights. It was beautiful. And she's 100 percent right. And if everybody doesn't understand this most important thing, none of this. Are you matters. suddenly a Kansas City? Is this a Kansas? I mean, I, I just want to be clear because I know you go between Missouri and Philadelphia. Was this like a suck up to your Missouri audience or? <laughs> Absolutely. Kansas okay. City Chiefs back to back world. All right. World Whatever. I just didn't know if you were trying to jump on the train. No, no, no. 
No, no, no. I, I'm born and raised Kansas City proud. Happy to claim it, even I'm, though I'm sure uh, you are now like that. But yeah. anyway, Kelly said something that is so critically important, particularly for Pennsylvania, because we had a special Pennsylvania House race on the same day and the Republican got killed. Now it was a heavy Democrat district. But if we do not understand mail-in balloting and we don't seem to yet, that Republican in New York, as well as the Republican in Pennsylvania, trailed dramatically as Democrats have swamped Republicans in the mail-in vote. And there was a snowstorm. So you couple mass. But wait, wait, Francis, you use the phrase, but, but Chris, you use the phrase I'm not, understand. I'm not excusing Republican loss. I'm not excusing Republican poor messaging, but I am saying John Fetterman won Pennsylvania with 600,000 mail-in votes banked before Election Day, Sean. If we okay, don't understand, but, but can I just, I just, we're going to lose I, every time. I want to mm -hmm. pick apart the phraseology that you used. You said Republicans don't get it. I think they get it. They just don't like it. Now, that, and that's two different things. So yep. just to be, yeah. be, be clear about your point, are you saying they don't get it or that they don't like it? All I know is... We register voters, fine, and so do they. They have concerts and vape pens and hamburgers, and we register them. Once we register them, I don't see that there's a compelling organization that goes to follow up. Are no. you banking your vote? Did you get it in? Democrats pay, as you know, Democrats mm -hmm. pay hordes of people to door knock and then third wave it. We're kind of done after the registration organizationally, as far as I can tell. If I'm wrong, no, I'm actually proven wrong. Can I just, can I tell you why? And, and I, I, Year, 30 years now in the campaign world because big donors don't find that sexy. They want to put right. their money behind an ad and go, see, honey, I paid for that ad or I paid for going, hey, can you spend a ton of voter reg and and what they call AB chase, absentee ballot chase is expensive. It's a lot of money. You don't want to use hard dollars, i.e. the money that the RNC or the NRCC take in. Those are limited dollars. You want to use what they call soft dollars to do that. And no donor wants to fund the uncool stuff to be like, hey, I chased 18,000 ballots. They right. Get it. You're right. They get that side. I, Isabel, I want to, if I can, shift just because there's yesterday, everybody in DC was all abuzz because it was sort of like Mike Turner from Ohio, the chairman of the House Intelligence <laughs> Committee, put up the bat signal and was like, Blue Horseshoe loves Teldar Industries. Probably half of the audience doesn't get that one either, but that was a Wall Street movie reference. But he wrote that there is a serious national security threat and he wanted Biden to declassify and everybody wigged out. The, the, the reporting is that it's about Russia having some ability to shoot down satellites in space. Uh, I know you're down there in Florida. Did people down there seem to think that this is a big deal or not? I, I think people think it's a big deal. But honestly, big national security threat is the most ambiguous term our government could have possibly <laughs> used. That could mean one of a trillion different problems currently going on in the world or even inside of our own borders. And I think that's what people are so uneasy and on edge about when we're told by our elected officials that there's some secret behind the scenes horrible threat that's easily going to impact all of us and our government won't declassify it. Sure, that could mean nuclear warfare at the global level. That could mean World War Three, which it's felt like we've been on the precipice of for several months, but it also could be uh, tied to the border like we've been talking about with all of these massive, massive uh, crime threats and security threats coming across our border every single day. You know, I watched a video that the mainstream media refused to cover about a week and a half, two weeks ago, but was going viral on TikTok from a young man who was speaking to a police officer stationed at Denver International Airport. I grew up right outside of Denver, so that used to be my home airport. And casually on the fly, this police officer says that in the last two months, 
they have arrested more than 50 members of Al-Qaeda in the Denver International Airport, largely linked to everything that's going on across the southern border. We see videos of terrorists wow. bragging that they are part of terrorist sleeper cells walking across our border every day, obviously coupled with illegal drug trafficking, human trafficking, arms trafficking, and more. And this has happened to the millionth scale. I mean, 6 million illegal immigrants have walked into our country under Joe Biden's presidency alone. If you do the math on that and you assume conservatively, maybe 1% of these people are linked to criminal cartels, to gangs, to terrorist sleeper cells, that's still 60, 70,000 people in this country yeah. who might be causing severe national security threats. And I think that's what's putting people on edge so much when we hear these threats are bubbling under the surface. World War III is slamming us in our face every day with what's going on in the globe. But I'm more worried about what's happening inside of our own country. Uh, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, Delta Rescue. You guys have heard me talk about Delta Rescue before. It was founded by a guy named Leo Grillo. He started rescuing animals. He first one he rescued was a Doberman. And then he founded Delta Rescue. And if you go on deltarescue.org, you can check out the great work they do. Just click on one of the videos. If you're an animal lover, I've rescued three dogs. I know what it's like to, you hear stories about you know, shelters that can take care of them for this long or that long. Delta Rescue is a no-kill sanctuary, not a shelter, a sanctuary. If they take these dogs in, give them the nutrition, uh, the veterinarian care, and let them roam free. It's amazing what they do. And Leo has done an amazing job of helping to fund this place. And so if you go to deltarescue.org, you can give five, 10, 100, 1,000, whatever you want to support this mission if you're an animal lover. But more importantly, there's a estate planning kit there. If you can help make De Delta Rescue an enduring mission, which is what Leo really wants to make this go on forever so that we can keep taking in dogs, cats, horses, other animals that are being neglected and abused and abandoned, please do that. Go download that kit. See if it can be part of your estate planning. Go to deltarescue.org and take it there. I did think, Kelly, that maybe this, this big issue that Mike Turner was warning us is that Taylor Swift was actually going to endorse Michelle Obama <laughs> and that that was the national security concern. Um, it, you, you write, you know, you, you're at the Washington Times, like how big of a deal, uh, the, the, the sort of Twitterverse started to say, well, you know what this really is, is Mike Turner trying to gin up support for the Ukraine funding yeah. bill. Yeah, no, I'm cynical like that too. I That was the first thing that I thought of um, because ne it's not necessarily new news. Uh, that's of, of like the next war, it will be fought in space. That's the reason why Donald Trump created the Space Force. He was ridicul ridiculed and mocked because of it. But we do know um, that Russia has satellite capability to to shoot down to shoot down our, our weapons in space and our satellites in space and so that is scary that is a real thing but i also think that the reason he did it was to get some ukraine funding uh the 60 billion dollars he wants for ukraine funding which is doa uh with mike johnson as the speaker yeah chris before we get off um the the tiktok issue that isabel was talking about uh during the super bowl that you brought up Biden unveiled uh, his sort of first uh, TikTok video from his campaign. I'll just show it to people now. These are nice. Two great quarterbacks, hard to decide. But if I didn't say I was for the Eagles, then I'd be sleeping alone. My wife's a footy girl. Gamer commercials. Game. Gamer halftime show. Game. Jason Kelsey or Travis Kelsey? Mama Kelsey. I know Jason makes great chocolate chip cookies. Deviously plotting to rate the season so the Chiefs would make the Super Bowl or the Chiefs just being a good football team? You're getting trouble if I told you. Trump or Biden? Are you kidding? <laughs> Biden. Okay, so he's kind of trying to be cute and fun, right? Here's the thing. 
the White House, the government official entity, warns us about TikTok being a, a tool of the Chinese government, data concerns. And then the campaign goes off and does this. When John Kirby's asked about it, he says, well, uh, you know, I can't speak for the campaign. Very cute. But I, I get it. They're, they're arguing, well, we got to go where they are. But how, how is that leading by example? Uh, well, of, of course, it's not. But then, of course, we're dealing with a tool of the Chinese government pretending he's our president right now, aren't we? So him being on TikTok doesn't shock me. But uh, Isabel can speak to this as the youngest member of the panel. Yeah. You can prop that old husk up on TikTok all you'd like. It's not going to make the kids excited about him. Isabel, what do you think? You, you, you obviously, uh, this is where a lot of young Americans are. The Biden administration is making the case, hey, we got to go where they are. But yeah. I, I don't, I think to me, that's, that's the tail wagging the dog, right? I've got two kids. We have this discussion all the time. Well, everyone else has it. It's like, okay, well, so what? That doesn't make it right. My kids aren't tic on TikTok. They know what I think about it um, and they won't be. Um, but I, I think that that is the lamest excuse for, for this White House is to say, well, we can't say anything because the campaign did it. And the campaign saying, well, we got to go where the kids are. It's either a national security threat or it isn't. Well, that's the question right there. And I think we're answering this unexpectedly by just asking these questions. It's either a threat or it isn't. And I'll be honest, I don't make a lot of friends talking about my support of campaign messaging or even just talking about the values that we have as conservatives on platforms like TikTok. But it is intimately necessary to preserve any semblance of traditional values for the next generation moving forward. You say most young Americans are on TikTok. The answer is almost every single young American is on TikTok. There are over 150 million Americans who use the app on a regular monthly basis, 70% of whom are Gen Zers. And there's only about 70 million Gen Zers in America. So numerically, that is almost every single one of us getting our news from TikTok, getting understood with campaigns and integra integrated with campaigns on TikTok and just understanding our values and what we believe in as Americans on TikTok every day. Long gone are the days where that silly dances from 2020 because TikTok has actually replaced Google as the number one search engine for Gen Z Americans today. If you're trying to understand where to go to dinner tonight, what to do on vacation or who to vote for for president, you're not going to google.com to type something in. You're watching videos on TikTok. And this national security concern, I 100% understand where people are coming from, especially those of us who might not have intimate experiences with TikTok. We've never used the app. But I have to wonder how much of this is actually a government front to control the narrative of information that we receive every day as consumers of information, because the exact same concerns that they claim to have about TikTok, for which there is no evidentiary support. If you watch all of these hearings from inside of Congress about TikTok, they are unable to present a single documented example of the CCP ever accessing your data through this app. Not once. And yet there's a countless, numerous examples of this happening through Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, through Google, which controls YouTube, the largest video platform on the planet. We know that Twitter, before the purchase from Elon Musk, was selling our data to the FBI so that our own government could spy on American citizens. Airbnb is selling your data to the Chinese Communist Party. But there's not a single concern coming from Capitol Hill or the White House about data security or privacy concerns there. There is about TikTok, and not to take up too much of the conversation, no. but really all of this started because Meta hired a well-known conservative lobbying firm out of Washington, D.C. Uh, to start lobbying members of Congress about two years ago and the media to plant anti-TikTok stories and change the country's 
national narrative around TikTok because they got caught with their pants down selling your data to the CCP and to Russia. So it's completely shallow for me to see all of our politicians pretend to care about our data security. They don't. If they did, they would be raising the alarms about every single other platform and website doing the same thing. But I think they're threatened because this is the only major and wildly successful platform utilized by Americans every day that doesn't intimately have a relationship with our American government. They don't get to manipulate the algorithm. They don't get to tell you what gets to show up on your feed or in your For You page, as we say, on TikTok. So the truth is, if you want to win over young voters, if you want to reach people where they're at, and if you're interested in getting a message out there that our mainstream media and our American-based social media companies are never going to show you, you have to be present on TikTok. And I have to give kudos to the Biden campaign for understanding that. Well, and, wow. and Rand Paul said, to Isabel's point, Rand Paul said, you want to lose in a landslide, Republicans declaring war on TikTok is one of the fastest ways to do it. And I would throw in, for good measure, going to war with Taylor Swift or NFL uh, football. Absolutely. <laughs> we get so caught up in these stupid culture things at a time uh, there's so much more serious stuff going on right now. We're not going to win a war against TikTok and Taylor Swift. I couldn't agree more with Well, her. you could on the legislative front deal with TikTok and, and the security issues. That's, I mean, I, I get Isabel's point. It's all well taken, but the bottom line is there are things that they could do to ensure that the data is preserved. And, and that's- Have you read, out of curiosity, this ban TikTok bill, the Restrict Act that they're circulating through I, Congress? Yes, today? and I know, and, and, and there's a whole question about whether that was a poison pill to begin with, whether or not they set that thing up to fail. Uh, well, it I, doesn't I, even say we want to ban TikTok. Nowhere is that I, in the I know, I know. That's why I'm saying is that it, it blows my mind that these guys who come up with a goal put a bill for, it's like the border bill. It's not a border yeah. bill. Right. And yet we go around calling it a border bill. The ban, the, the TikTok bill wasn't a, it's and, and obviously immediately everybody threw up concerns about that. And that's there's why. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes they want to be able to say they're doing something and then they do things in the bill that are not. It's like the Inflation Reduction Act mm -hmm. did nothing to reduce inflation, everything to spend money. And and but they put a nice name on it and everyone walks around and says, well, it's going to reduce inflation because that's what the title says. Mm -hmm. Um. Kelly, let me ask you this, though. It was interesting going riffing off of this for a second because there was a story in Politico that caught my eye. It said lawmakers weigh a ban on firms lobbying for Chinese companies. Several members of Congress are considering closing their doors entirely to meetings with lobbying firms that represent companies linked to the Chinese military. It's definitely a conversation among members on the China committee, said one Republican member. So there's this thing that the DOD publishes called the Pentagon's 1260H entity list. These are companies controlled. There's no question about it. The government has deemed these questions, these companies, and they want to ban meetings with Chinese companies. I, I got to be honest with you. I think that we've got to stop. I, this is a free country. You can do what you want. But at the end of the day, there are former government officials and, and staffers and members of Congress that are lobbying on behalf of entities that are 100% indisputably controlled by China. And I think that there's a point at which, fine, then you have to register as a foreign agent. You should be shunned. China is our enemy. And I feel, yeah. I just, I cannot, like, I. It, it's interesting because you read this story and it goes on to say, of course, but at the end of the day, all of these big firms are going to come back and go, okay, Congressman, let's, uh, let's play with the money and uh, how much do you, like, but I, I cannot believe that some of these things are up for discussion. Why are we not banning them further? Well, I mean, why aren't we banning uh, congressmen and senators 
from publicly traded companies, from betting on the stock market. Nancy Pelosi is a real pro at that, but we haven't been able to pass a bill in the House that says that you got to put it in a put, put your money in a private trust where you have no control over it, um, and or you can't you can't use your insider information to make public trades. Um, it's just a gross thing about Washington D.C. Right? You get into politics, you want to enrich yourself from it. You don't want to vote in a manner that would be against your own self-interest. And and not being able to get a plum lobbying job for a Chinese company is acting in your own self-interest, your yep. own pocketbooks, right? So that's, that's that. Uh, but on the TikTok thing, um, there is no privately owned company in China. It's all the government. Right. And there is a national security risk with TikTok. That's why it's banned from usage on federal phones. The fighting campaign basically said, oh, we're not using our official phones. We got burner phones to put the TikTok videos on. Uh, India banned TikTok. There was no big deal banning TikTok. I think that that should be brought up in this legislative uh, session because uh, to me, it's not restricting your First Amendment rights. There's multiple platforms that you can you can do that on. You don't have to be a tool for the Chinese government. Yeah, but I think one of the points that Isabel made that's important is if the government's going to claim that, then they kind of need to start really highlighting and showing you, okay, here's the underlying. For heaven's sakes, can, can we just stop and assess the fact that we had a Chinese spy balloon hover over our nation yes. Yes. eight days? I mean, we're, we're letting Chinese. Uh, but that's my point. Yeah. But this eight is my point. Eight, okay. But Chris, this is John. This is not a serious government that wants to. No, I just it it infuriates me. This is the point. There's a Chinese balloon that's going over our country, and while everyone in the government's going, "Hey, that's neat. We should post (laughs) a picture." They're literally. Do you know what they did? They posted videos on TikTok of the video (laughs) taking surveillance of us, and the memes were fantastic about that. Actually, (laughs) but the thing is, is that we we do that. They send us COVID, then we turn around and say, "Can we buy our drugs and our PPE from Mm -hmm. you?" Uh, we shift all of our manufacturing over there. Our, they're literally hiring lobbyists. Electric car batteries. Right, yep. but every, and, and then we sit back. I, yep. I'm just, I'm tired of talking about, like China is sitting back. They've got to be sitting in meetings going like, there's no way it's this easy. There's no way. Like what's really happening over there? Because you guys let us fly a balloon. We're buying up your land. We're sending you our PPE. Like th- there's got to be a point at which they walk in and they're like, okay, what's, what's really happening? Because this is pathetic. I mean, I, I just don't know how we we get away with this, but I, I do want to bring up a couple other things before we finish. Speaking of China, let's talk about Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> this special counsel report, Kelly alluded to it. The thing that I thought was hysterical, right, is it was a catch-22. The, Robert Hur, the special counsel, has to explain by statute why if he's guilty of something, which he was, I mean, not guilty, but he was, they had evidence that he did something. He clearly possessed classified information that he had for decades. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was by the Corvette. And we all know if you're going to store something secretly, you go do it by the Corvette. I do that (laughs) all the time. Um, It just sucks that I don't have a garage. I have it outside in a box (laughs) sitting by the Corvette. Um, But the thing that was so interesting is so her, and this is what people don't want to tell you, is the statute says he has to explain himself. If you find evidence, but you're not going to pursue it, you need to explain it. And he says, hey, look, the jury would have found this guy sympathetic. And then Biden goes out there and rages about, I can't believe how the hell dare he raise that. Biden told reporters in an impromptu White House press conference, frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, if it wasn't any of their damn business. But here's the problem, Isabel. 
Her never asked the question, according to two people familiar with her's <laughs> five-hour interview with the president over the last two days in October, according to NBC News. It was the president, not her or his team, who first introduced Bo Biden's death, they mm. said. Gosh, doesn't that seem odd that Biden rails against all this. He forgot. I mean, that's the thing that is so ironic about this. He's literally railing about something about his memory and forgot that he was the guy that raised it. You know, I don't think any of this is ironic, to be honest with you. Maybe I've just taken a bit of a black pill associated with all of this, but there's too much coincidentally happening associated with this investigation when they put it out, why the report was released on a weekday, which everyone who's ever worked in Washington knows you never release a damning report on the sitting president of the United States on a Thursday afternoon. When was the last time you remember this White House ever having an unscheduled impromptu press conference where the president wasn't holding a little three by five index card with a list of approved journalists that he was allowed to talk to. All of this just seemed very odd to me, not to mention the Department of Justice, who works at the pleasure of the president, who serves at the pleasure of the president, didn't have to release this yeah. report now. There was no onus to put this information out before the election, which tells me that either A, there is massive unfathomable levels of incompetence inside of this executive branch, which is surely a possibility, or B, they're throwing the president to the wolves now at this exact time in February of 2024 before the election for a reason. You know, a lot of people forget the DNC and the RNC have fundamentally different rules about choosing the nominee to represent their party in the general election. On the DNC side, you can win every single state primary election with your name on a ballot and still not receive the nomination at the national convention in August, which is going to happen at the end of this summer. I think people probably remember in 2016, huge uproar from the left side of the political aisle because Bernie Sanders was winning primary after primary after primary and felt cheated out at the national convention when Hillary Clinton walked away with the nomination. I've been wondering for a long time, and this is purely speculative, but knowing that he probably isn't going to make it through the end of this term, let alone another term, if he can't remember important, intimate details about his own family, let alone national security, and if he shared classified documents compromising national security, if the president is in fact going to be the nominee for the Democrat Party. If he's not, and they're looking for an option to start planting seeds that he's not mentally fit to serve, what a better time than now to get that idea going in the press and the minds of the American people while keeping his name on ballots through the summer and then ushering in a more competent, younger, vibrant, maybe even more diverse replacement at the convention in August. You know, I, to Isabel's point, Kelly, I've got I've got a minute left. I just mm -hmm. so I want to get you and Chris to weigh in on this real quick. To Isabel's point. His own attorneys, his private attorneys got this report ahead of time. They were able to offer suggestions and feedback and then brief the president ahead of us getting it. I think this is, to me, I was like, wait a second, why didn't they object to this language? Why didn't the president, I mean, the pre this, there's something weird about how this all went down. So let me just ask this though, in the final 30 seconds, first to you, Kelly, and then to Chris, do you think that Joe Biden is the nominee? I believe that at convention, they're going to swap out his vice president, Kamala Harris. He's going to choose Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom's going to campaign for the rest of the, you know, up until November. After he wins in November, they'll they'll pull the 25th amendment on, on Joe Biden, kick him out of office. Newsom's now president. Of the United okay. States. I'm glad this is on tape because that's, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll put my hundred bucks on this. They're not going to pick, you're not kicking out a white 
excuse me, the first black woman for a white straight mm-hmm. dude. I get it. He's he, he's articulate, but that guy is literally, there's no way that the progressives are going to take a, a straight white dude when you have uh, a progressive black female. Chris Stigall, tell me what you think. Rescue me here, even though I don't want to hear more about your chiefs. No, hey, listen, but we're both uh, white straight dudes, so we got that going for us. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my thinking about uh, what Isabel said is uh, true. I said something to uh, this effect recently that I think this is going to be reminiscent of uh, a riot in the 60s when the Democrats were in Chicago. Yeah. This was like that's set up for this again. And this also feels like when Hillary Clinton, the same, same thing, when Comey came out mm-hmm. and lays out this case, oh my gosh, I think she's committed a crime, but then says no reasonable jury. This is almost mm-hmm. exactly the same yeah. Stuff that Hillary blamed All for. Right, so, is he the nominee? Yeah. Is he the nominee? Oh uh, no, I don't think he will be. I don't think he'll make it. I think, but I, I don't think you can pass over Kamala. I agree with that. Yeah. And if they try, I think a riot comes. Uh, Isabel, just real quick, so to clarify your position, is Joe Biden the nominee? No, I think they'll invoke the twenty fifth and let Kamala serve about nine months of the presidency. She's completely unelectable, so she'll step aside after the fact, or they'll force her out. And my anticipation would be an appointment of Michelle Obama as the nominee based on some whistleblower information coming out. All right. Uh, We went downhill. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I love you guys. Thanks for being here today. Uh, We'll see you soon. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Uh, Tomorrow, we've got a great discussion with Linda McMahon. She was the small business administrator under Donald Trump. She has led the WWE and now is leading the America First Policy Institute and helping to get ready for a second Trump term. Great discussion headed your way. Please continue to subscribe. Give us a five-star review on all those platforms. We'll see you back here tomorrow on Sean Spicer Show.